welcome to History Simplified, where we simplify history. Today we'll be talking about the history of anesthesia. And presenting today is Dr. Anti-Cat Turner. Hello. Welcome to the show. Okay, so, um, for once I don't have to do the scripts, so yay. So, the first known account of anesthesia dates back to 200 A.D., by, I'm assuming you know how to pronounce that, because I already forgot. I think it's Hua To. A um, Chinese doctor person. Ancient mm-hmm. Chinese doctor person. Um, I'll let you take over. You're the professional. Well, so Hua To, way back in 200 AD, was the first person known to perform surgery under general anesthesia. And there's a whole lot of anesthesia that happened between then and now. But the first real modern anesthetic that we use describe, uh, a tribute to in um, the modern practice of anesthesia was called the ether dome, which happened in 1846 in Massachusetts. And that was the first demonstration of general anesthesia under um, an inhaled anesthetic called ether. Hmm. You see, the most I know about this is the Romans would use a mixture of stuff and alcohol to make you just not feel the surgery. And then the uh, Greeks would literally beat you up to make you unconscious. Medicine. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm referring to the ancient Greeks, of course. I'm not... I'm sure modern Greeks are nice people. <laughs> oh, and, and this is why it's so nice that we live in this era in which we have modern anesthetics. We don't have to rely on beatings or whiskey. <laughs> Broken bones. To, uh, to, you know, provide us an anesthetic. Um, so something I found interesting here is the first celebrity who'd use an inhaled anesthesia for childbirth was Queen Victoria in 1853. And... Oh, that's interesting. The yeah. only invertebrate that needs to be anesthetized before surgery is the octopus. They're very intelligent creatures. Do you know how we anesthetize octopi if they're going to have surgery? You dunk them in ethanol. Yep. Just a vat of, like, a, a barrel of whiskey, and you dunk them in, and they come out, and they're anesthetized, and you can do surgery. Yeah. No wonder they call them the um, alien to the sea. It's pretty cool. Just give them some alcohol, and they'll be a-okay. Um, the first... IV anesthetic dates back to 1934 by, with sodium theo- thiopental. I'm yeah. not a doctor, so I'm going to let you explain what that is. So sodium thiopental was, the, like you said, the first IV general anesthetic. Um, I'm not that old, but I did use sodium thiopental um about mm, 20 years ago Hmm. when I was first learning how to do anesthesia. It's no longer available, but it's pretty cool. May I ask you a question? Of course. Why is it no longer available? We just have better drugs now. (laughs) 
Okay. Better living by <laughs> chemistry, right? Yep. The first hospital to have a Department of Anesthesia was the Massachusetts General Hospital, which first introduced it in 1936. Yeah. This is important and reasonable since Massachusetts General is where that ether dome was that we discussed earlier. And so they had the very first Department of Anesthesia, Academic Department of Anesthesia. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until almost a hundred years after that ether dome occurred that they developed their, uh, their department. Hmm. Let's see. I'm reading off of some of her notes, so give me a break. Let's see. When was the first orcotracheal... What's that? So the first orotracheal intubation. So, you know, an orotracheal intubation is that breathing tube that um, anesthesiologists use when, when we want to put anesthetizing gases into the lungs. We use a tube that goes through the mouth into the windpipe or the trachea and orotracheal intubation was first reported in 1880 so about mm, almost 40 years Mm -hmm. after that ether dome by a scottish scottish surgeon um william McIrwin. McEwen. McEwen. i can't read apparently (laughs) william McEwen in 1880 and so uh that that was a a big deal because it wasn't until almost 40 years later that we were able to safely give anesthesia gases to a patient without anesthetizing ourselves, right? Yeah. If you didn't have a conduit for it, it would get out into the general atmosphere Mm -hmm. and you could anesthetize everyone in the room. Who was Trendenelodeberg? Trendelenburg. Trendelenburg. Trendelenburg was this really cool guy. He was a German surgeon, and he performed the first successful elective tracheotomy on a human being uh, that was performed for the purpose of providing general anesthesia. But we still use that term today. We still use his name. It's a position of the operating room table. Uh, and so he sort of memorialized in that positioning. Trendelenburg. Quick thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for our people like me who don't speak doctor, what is a tracheonotomy? Uh, a tracheotomy? Yes. Tracheotomy is a hole through the neck into the trachea or the windpipe. Mm-hmm. So that uh, you can breathe through your neck as opposed to through your mouth or nose. Huh. Um, It becomes very important if there's a reason you couldn't breathe through your mouth or nose. Huh. How was chloroform first prepared? So chloroform is pretty cool stuff. It is an anesthetic gas, right? I thought it, it was like a liquid. Um... It is a liquid uh, that evaporates into a gas that is used to anesthetize. Okay. Proceed. But they first, they were, so the people who first made chloroform, they were trying to make a really cheap pesticide. And what they did was they mixed whiskey, just plain whiskey, Mm -hmm. with chlorinated lime, 
and they they're trying to make this cheap pesticide, but then they all went to sleep. So they discovered that Oof. it was actually an anesthetizing gas as opposed to a really great, uh, in a, a really great pesticide. Though I don't know, maybe if you put all the bugs to sleep, it would be a good pesticide too. Fair point. Um, I was reading a book about Civil War the other day, and a lot of Civil War surgeries, which fun fact, not really, most of them were amputees. Um, they would use chloroform to knock them out. And they didn't have chloroform, you get a rock. So, yes. Bonk. you. Uh, so they would use chloroform. Um, a lot of them ended up using whiskey, which was a double deal, right? Yeah. So they get would, drinks, they you get would, a drink for an arm. Get the patient drunk, which helped with, um, as an anesthetic or an analgesic, which is a painkiller. Hmm. But it could also be used as an antiseptic or something that would kill germs. So, you know, a little bit for a little bit down the mouth, a little bit on the wound. All was good. Yeah. Now, this is one that I was actually going to ask myself if I wasn't reading your notes. Who coined the term anesthesia, which, fun fact, is Greek for no feeling? So... Just a few short years after that ether dome um, exhibition, in 1846, uh, there was a gentleman who who had kind of been purporting this term anesthesia. His name was Oliver Wendell Holmes, um, and yes, from the term no feeling. So when when we want a patient under anesthesia we want them to not feel what the doctor's doing to them right hmm so it's a, a pretty decent term Let's see. what were they trying to synthesize when Mer- when mepridine was discovered first off what is mepridine so it's actually meperidine which is the um the general name for demerol which is a pain medicine Okay. Okay. Uh, they were trying to synthesize atropine. Atropine is a medicine that increases the heart rate. Mm-hmm. And they wanted a medicine that would increase the heart rate. Um, Meperidine or Demerol is a medicine that um, is a painkiller, is a, an opioid-type medicine. But it has an atropine side chain. So unlike all the other pain medicines that we use, like fentanyl or Dilaudid or morphine, the decrease heart rate, Demerol is the one that increases heart rate because it's kind of like atropine. Introduction of which anesthetic in 1956 was a game changer in the OR? So this is a big, this was a really big deal. So in 1956, they introduced the inhalational anesthetic called halothane, which interestingly enough in the United States is no longer used. But halothane was the first non-flammable anesthetic gas. Before then, ether, cyclopropane, these anesthesia gases were all flammable. And so... This is why that endotracheal tube was such a big deal, uh, because if those gases leaked out into the environment, 
and then there was an igniter source, there could be an explosion. So halothane, like you said, was a game changer because then they didn't have explosions in the operating room. And now today, none of our inhaled anesthetics are flammable. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Now I'm just picturing your average run-of-the-mill 50 surgery, then all of a sudden fire. Right? So, um, yeah. Very scary. The more you know. Well, um, I'm looking through all these questions here, and that appears to be all of them. Thanks for joining us today, Doctor. Well, thanks, Schaefer. I really appreciate you uh, having me on your show. Um, next week we will have I Answered Your History Questions Part 2. Um, that is all for now. I will see you next time. This is the History Simplified Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye.